We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. What are the most successful change leaders of today doing to deliver great results? Welcome to Inside Transformational Leadership with your host, Kate Ebner. Our program is produced by the Institute for Transformational Leadership at Georgetown University. We'll explore the inner game of transformational leadership, sharing insights from renowned leaders and faculty from our world-class leadership and coaching programs. Now, from Georgetown University, here is Kate Ebner. Good morning and welcome. I'm Leanne Worcester Nafee and I'm guest hosting today for Kate Ebner. I'm also a faculty member in our coaching program and the Transformational Leadership Program. Our topic today is Embody Your Leadership Potential, and I am delighted to welcome Richard Strozzi Heckler as our guest. I first met Richard 10 years ago, was one of his students in the Somatic Coaching Program at the Strozzi Institute. And his unique way of thinking about and applying somatics to leadership and individual development really was transformational for me. And it informs my work today as a coach, as a teacher, and as a leader myself. So before we dive into this rich conversation that I know it's going to be with Richard, let me tell you a little bit about his background. Richard has a Ph.D. in psychology, and he is a sixth-degree black belt in Aikido a nationally known speaker, coach, and consultant on leadership and mastery. He has spent 40 years researching, developing, and teaching the practical application of somatics to business leaders, executive managers, and teams all over the world, from Fortune 500 companies to NGOs to technology startups, nonprofits, the U.S. government, and even the military. Richard is the author of eight books, including The Art of Somatic Coaching, The Leadership Dojo, and In Search of the Warrior Spirit. And in October of 2000, a Wall Street Journal cover story featured the groundbreaking leadership program developed by Richard for the United States Marine Corps. He was named one of the top 50 executive coaches in the art and practice of leadership coaching and also in profiles in coaching. He is the founder of the Strozzi Institute in California and truly a pioneer in his field. I am excited to be a conversational partner with Richard on the topic of embodied leadership. So welcome this morning, Richard. How are you doing? Hi, Leanne. Good to hear your voice. Good to be with you again. Yes. Good to hear your voice as well. So we like to start these conversations with uh, hearing a bit about your story. So if you could tell us about your journey and uh, what brought you into the world of transformational leadership work. Let me um, 
say that uh, part of my background here is I went to uh, university on a athletic scholarship, and um, by the time I had got there, I had been doing martial arts. I started martial arts when I was about 12, so I had been doing martial arts about six years, too, and uh, when it was offered a track scholarship. And I say this because the, um, in many ways, one, one come from for me is really the tradition of the bodily arts, um, uh, martial arts, and uh, as, well, as well as sports, competitive sports. And I so thoroughly enjoyed this notion of um, practice, training, um, pressing my limits, um, having good coaches, having a group of people that I could work with, you know, building teams. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was uh, very, very, very fulfilling in that way. And when we left the gym or we left the, um, the, the martial arts dojo or we left the, the track, uh, there, the the conversations weren't stimulating to me. Mm-hmm. You know, as what young men talked about then, they were talking about their cars or girls or <laughs> maybe beers, and um, it just didn't hold my attention. And my um, uh, my academic studies were along the lines of uh, philosophy and literature. And in this area, I had tremendous kind of um, uh, conversations with people around the nature of being and ontology and and what other thinkers from the both the east and the west have had for innumerable years and it was also very very exciting and very very stimulating for me but usually these were all done in these kinds of um dark coffee shops and everybody was hunched over and smoking cigarettes <laughs> and so while the ideas were were uh compelling to me um, the way that it was practiced wasn't. Yeah. So I, I tell this story in the sense that um, uh, much of my life has been this commute between these two, what we might call mind-body right now. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the whole notion of how we learn and how we transform, how we change through our body. And at the same time, we have this beautiful, beautiful um, brain and mind that we can form images, we can think things through, we can have logic and critique. And what does it mean to have those two things come together? So um, I, I would say that was kind of a foundation. The third piece I would say was in there. Is I, I began a meditation practice in 1969, and that's still very much part of my personal practice, and it's also part of the um, uh, the work that I do. So. I think that if I would say that working through the body had to do with how do we how do we skillfully act and how do we ethically act? You know, when you study martial arts, you you don't have a script you can read; it has to be embodied in you, and you you you, you train in ways in which, at least in my art, how do we to- totally acknowledge and legitimize the other person and blend with them and use their energy for resolution. And meditation is like training the nervous system. Mm-hmm. The other is like training the muscular system action. Meditation like training the, the, the nervous system. So how do we pay attention um, in a particular kind of way, both to our own process and to the living world um, around us? And then the, the uh, notion of, um, of uh, being a body-oriented psychologist Bio and psychotherapist is really the importance of moods and emotions, 
and uh, we could say that's that's the organ system. So it's all these three things that have really kind of shaped me, among many other things, too. And while we're speaking here, Leanne, let me just say that um, as we go forward, I've had incredible teachers in my life. Mm-hmm. I have one living teacher still, um, and it's just um, an immeasurable gift um, to, to, to have a great teacher. And they've influenced me, continue to influence me, and I think much of what I do is I stand on their shoulders. Yeah, I like the way you said that because um, I would say that about you, and I know that I stand on your shoulders and that many, many other leaders and coaches today do that. And I'm wondering when you started to make the application to the world of leadership. I know you, you do this across other areas, education, social justice, all kinds of other ways, but um, since we're talking to leaders today, when did you start saying, you know, I think I've got something here. I've got this thread, this thread, and this thread, and I think it could really work here with leaders and coaches, and you started that work in the dojo. In the mid-'80s, I was asked to do a program um, for the um, the Green Berets, the Army Special Forces, And what they were looking for at that time is what they said was a holistic soldier. Mm. They said, can you put together a program in which we have physical enhancements, team enhancements, and uh, and, uh, physical enhancements, mental enhancements, and team coordination. Mm -hmm. And so for about almost seven months, we had 25 of these top trained soldiers, these Green Berets, 25 of them under operational command. And we did things like we redesigned their diet, their training program. We did Aikido every day. We did meditation and a meditation retreat. Uh, Redesigned their communication skills, taught them healing skills, did body work. Mm -hmm. And um, what happened was that there was a huge, huge, in all the objective and anecdotal material, a huge improvement in everything that they did. Mm-hmm. At that point, they were called the, uh, you know, that 27 years ago or so, they were called the million-dollar men because of they were really at the top of the pyramid. And um, in all the things that they did, we actually made them better. Mm-hmm. And um, then they went back afterwards to um, the, their assignments, and everybody said, um, gee, they're much better leaders also. Now, that wasn't the promise of the course. It was physical enhancements and mental enhancements and team mm. cohesion. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, I think to us and many, may, maybe many of the listeners, it's just common sense that that would, is what would happen. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and it made me think, what about if I took this work and I brought it into organizations and the leadership and built to help build a leadership culture? So then would this work then precipitate down and be able to affect more people? So that was really the the beginning of it. I I really went from having a very full uh, body-oriented psychotherapeutic practice. Mm -hmm. I was teaching people in the health professions how to work through the body, teaching leaders in the health profession how they can incorporate it into their their cultures too. And um, it was at that moment that... um, I saw the possibility of, of of being able to touch leaders, and then those leaders could touch the people that they led. 
That was chronicled, by the way, that was chronicled in a book that I did called In Search of the Warrior Spirit. Mm-hmm. One of your eight, right? One of my eight. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so work, you say, um, I know as one of your students, you'll say there's working on the body, working with the body, and working through the body. And this is where I think what you're doing is so unique. I mean, you just don't see it out there anywhere else, and especially in the world of leadership, is working through the body. So how has that evolved in uh, leadership today? I'm a leader in government or a leader in a nonprofit or I'm, I'm a leader somewhere else in the world in my community. How does that translate today now? One of the things that um, has really shows up these days is that people looking for um, individuals, teams, companies looking for leadership development will say more and more that people go to an event they have a great experience. They come back with a big, mm-hmm. thick book. Yep. The book goes on the shelf, and then that's kind of the end of it. Yeah. And um, they speak. They 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 really speak about this notion is how do we actually make change that is sustainable? Mm-hmm. And what we the claim that we make is that in order to shift, transform, or modify yourself, you have to take on a set of practices that begins to shift who you are, who you are being. Another way to look at that would be it begins to shift your nervous system mm-hmm. or your spirit, if you will. will. Mm-hmm. And um, while I argue with the language of neuroscience, mm-hmm. um, uh, what I really bow into them for is that they've, with their great technology, have really been able to ground this notion that we change through practices. Mm -hmm. We can actually change the structure of our nervous system. That affects how we think, how we view, how we live with our emotions and moods, how do we coordinate with others, how do we live in dignity. So it's it's an age-old notion, an idea, uh, millennial, Mm -hmm. 3,000 years years old, and it's just now, I think, getting some kind of traction about, oh, if we train our, 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 our nervous system, or like yeah. I said, our, our spirit, we do that by working through the body, mm-hmm. and we have this opportunity to really transform in a way that actually sets inside of us, or what we would call, we then embody it. So you're... Um taking the aspect of neuroscience, like you agree with that piece, but you think it's much more than that is what I hear you saying, right? I think it's more than that, and also that their language is still embedded in the language, from my point of view, of reductionistic science. Mm. So what does that mean? Dividing it and dividing it, mm. and pretty soon the self gets lost. Mm-hmm. And I think that one of the things we're doing in transformational leadership is how do we shift the self And you also said something that um, I remember and is part of how I think about it today is practices, right? Practices that shift who you are and who you are being and who you you are becoming. And you always used to say something like this. I hope I get this right. We are always practicing something, and what we practice, we become. So pay attention to those practices, right? Did I get it? Am I on the – did I get the gist of that? 
<laughs> you did it. <laughs> <laughs> or did I just imagine you said that? No, I it's bringing a big smile to my face because I, I, I think I go back 10 years when we, we first met and we're doing these things, and I'm thinking, oh, it went in. She got it. She I got it. That. She's been doing it. I got it, and I got it from a cognitive perspective, but here's where the here's where the unique piece is for the work you do. I got it from an embodied perspective. So that's what I'm thinking would be really useful if you could translate this in a concrete way, maybe of an example. Yeah. Yeah, with a leader that you've worked with. Um, or a team. Me, let me uh, give you, I'll, I'll start with one example here, and I have a couple, of course. But uh, one is, is fairly common in the sense of we have the, um, the uh, IT person who has done exemplary good work in his field, he has been in the company for a while. He's had a lot of experience. And now it's time for him to move mm-hmm. to be into a management or a leadership position. And he likes that for a number of reasons. And the people that guide and lead him say he's the person. And he goes in there, and with all the best of will and all the decent kind of intentions, um, he realizes that it's hard for him to build a trust with his team. And it's not like he's a untoward person mm-hmm. or uh, he, he has ill intentions, but there's a way that he's coming across that just doesn't um, have people be mobilized by him or even motivated. And um, he, this person went in to do a, um, uh, a, a number of different things. He learned about leadership and he saw the DVDs, and he read the books and the case studies, and he had conversations. Go back to work, and he still, people are going, I just don't want to move with this guy. I just yeah. don't want to give him trust. And so when I worked with him, it became very clear that the way that he organized himself bodily or somatically, um, difficult for him to make eye contact with people. Uh, his breath was high and shallow in his body. His shoulders kind of curved in, like sitting in front of that computer screen for decades. And um, the, he didn't have what we would call a leadership presence that people went, mm. oh, I'm going to, right from the outset, grant you some credibility here, mm-hmm. some authority. And so we spent time both uh, in conversation, standing practices, and even, on, even in body work where he would lay down on a table where we begin to reorganize his soma this way so that um, he began to build this capacity to look at people in the eyes and to relax his eyes so he let them in. And he began to really see them. He began to see them with seeing. Uh, And then he began to notice that his breath pattern produced a certain kind of anxiety in him. It was high, it was shallow, and um, it made him more and more anxious. And he... Well, uh, got into the practices of dropping his breath, mm-hmm. filling out his vertical line, his six o'clock line, if mm-hmm. you will. And so he stood up straight and that he could face into people with his uh, shoulders back. And um, at first, all this made him feel very strange and even vulnerable. And it was a certain kind of ground we had to cover that ground of vulnerability. But inside of that, he... Uh, 
began to notice that he there was a certain kind of satisfaction or even pleasure in taking deeper breaths. He noticed at home that his children uh, were more inclined to play with him, and I think more importantly that he was more inclined to play with them and enjoy them. And uh, and then the people around him on his 360s began to make the assessment of, oh, here's a person that um, I want to listen to more. Here's a person whose assessments seem to be grounded in the way that they're really relating to me and connected to me. And on Richard, and on and I'm going to step in for a moment because um, you're saying a lot of really important things. I think we're going to need to continue this because we're getting a cue for a break right now. So if we can hold that thought, can we pick up with that when we come right back? Yes. Okay. So my guest this morning is Richard Strozzi Heckler. I'm Leanne Worcester-Nafee, and you're listening to Inside Transformational Leadership. We'll be right back. bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790, 866-472-5790, Voice America Business Network. Founded in 2012, the Institute for Transformational Leadership, ITL, is an international center for inquiry experiential education, and research about leadership in the 21st century. Our mission is to develop worldwide communities of transformational leaders and leadership coaches who are dedicated to engaging and providing the leadership needed for a more sustainable and compassionate future. We currently offer two cohort-based certificate programs, the ICF Accredited Certificate in Leadership Coaching and the Executive Certificate in Transformational Leadership. We also offer a range of ICF-certified Advanced Coach Education Master Courses for experienced leadership coaches. For more information about our programs and how to apply, visit scs.georgetown.edu forward slash ITL. Email itlprograms at georgetown.edu or call 202-687-7000. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Inside Transformational Leadership. 
produced by Georgetown University's Institute for Transformational Leadership. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please send an email to itlprograms at georgetown.edu. Here again is your host, Kate Ebner. Welcome back. I'm Leanne Worcester-Navy, and I'm talking with Richard Strozzi Heckler, author, coach, consultant, teacher, and pioneer in somatics and embodied leadership. And before the break, we were talking about an IT manager that you had worked with, Richard, um, that was uh, getting exposure to a higher level of leadership that he really needed to step up and into and build trust. And so you were walking us through how you worked with him from a somatic perspective and what was coming about for him right before the break was who he actually was being had really shifted. So you want to pick up and dive in again? Sure. The, the, I think where we left off here was this place where he knew all of these distinctions around leadership and the importance of them. Um, uh, and he, but he just knew them cognitively. And the way that I worked with him was through his body, like shifting his breath patterns, shifting his comportment, shifting the way that he looked at people. Uh, organized like how his uh, his listening was different, mm-hmm. and what began to happen really, if I put it in the most simple sense, is that um, a certain kind of warmth began to exude from him, and that warmth had to do with a very natural um, uh, curiosity that he didn't know that he had about human beings, mm-hmm. and that he became, in in some way, really more more deeply and authentically interested in, oh, what does this person care about? What does this have to do with our project or our mission? And um, what this and his, his whole levels of anxiety that he had began to go way, way, way down. And um, the remarks that people had when they gave them their, their assessments, their 360s, was much more approachable, uh, much warmer, a, a, a deeper listener, um, really willing um, to uh, uh, entertain the, my point of view um, and could take a strong stand and also could take a strong stand and be powerful for what he thought about. And um, so this is a, actually a pretty common story about how working through the body, um, doing practices through the body that allows somebody really to... to in a sustainable way to change themselves and modify themselves. Yeah, because you mentioned that he, he had difficulty building trust with his team. And when we think about trust, what we often will talk about is actions that they are taking or not taking, right? And while that's a part of it, it's how the leader shows up in whatever action they are taking or not taking, Correct. That's what we're talking about here. That's like that self, that the presence that you're, you're being as you're um, leading a meeting, as you're talking, as you're listening, as you're not listening, correct? Yes, yes. yes. One of the things that I've seen, Leanne, is that uh, if you get individuals that have been through the same experiences, the same campaigns, the same education, and they begin to... Um, cultivate or build themselves into a leadership position, those that really rise to the top are those that they may not be as smart, 
they they may not have the same background, but there's something about who they are mm-hmm. that makes that difference. Um, and that's really what um, uh, the work that we do at Strozzi Institute is about, is how this person or this culture of people can then shift so that they maintain their level of mastery and competency and things, but people see them much more as an offer and they um, have a much more uh, clear road about being moved or influenced by them. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I often hear from leaders is they've gotten some kind of um, negative feedback or something that just they have to work on it, right? It's not... it's um, concerning to them. And so they want a quick tip, a tool, a technique, right? How do I fix this? Like, what is it that I can say or do here? And so my, what I'm excited about our listeners um, hearing from you today, excuse me, is that that might be okay. That's the tips, tools, techniques. That's, That's all good. And there's an invitation to go a bit deeper with this so that it really starts to impact you at the cellular level. Like it's not just what you're thinking and doing, but it's how you're feeling and attending to what your body and the energy that you're giving off or not is doing, how it all travels together. That's what I think is so important about somatics. Would you agree? This or did I miss notion something? that you touched upon of um, people having this really abbreviated horizon of time, like, can we cover this very quickly? Mm-hmm. And also this notion of, give me this tip or this technique I can do, or this notion that, oh, I can just put another tool in my toolbox. Mm-hmm. is very much based in this idea of uh, rationalistic thinking or Cartesian thinking, which is, there's this kind of fixed world out there, and if I push the right button or pull the right lever, uh, something, something will be, in, be, be able to change or shift. Mm-hmm. And clearly what we know now is that um, the perceiver will affect what's being perceived. Mm-hmm. And so what has to shift is this perceiver or observer needs to shift, and not just simply in the idea form, but actually how they bring or shift their mood, their emotions, their presence, their way of being in, in the world. And um, I, I don't, you know, it was, you, you gave that quote about practices earlier. One of them was from, actually from Aristotle, where he said, um, you are what you practice. Mm. And um, so one of the things that we can have ourselves, uh, all leaders pay attention to is this notion of are the practices that we're in now going to get us to the future that we want to go to? And for the most part, people say, this is where I want to go. This is where I'm setting my sail. But um, the notion of like, if I keep doing what I'm doing, will get me there. So and let me uh, make sure, I want to go back and, and maybe put a wrap around the IT manager that we're talking about. What were some of the practices that you had him do? So there was something around, like, I'm getting ready to have a meeting with this team. I'm really wanting to be connected with them. Um, I want to build trust. So what is it that he's going to be practicing to help him prepare each time he walks in? Can you tick off, like, a couple of those? He, he learned how to what we call be centered. 
And that's an appropriation really from the martial arts Mm -hmm. so that he was able to um, manage his breath pattern, drop his breath, that he was able to uh, hold himself much more upright and not leaning forward and his head forward. Um, That means that he came into a more proper relationship with gravity. And if you think of gravity as the energy field of the planet, Mm -hmm. it means you're building a very strong partnership with a very powerful force. Um, He he, he learned how to um, uh, uh, relax himself. And while that may seem kind of small or trivial to some people, it's... Actually, I don't think so at all. Good, yeah. Uh, it, it's totally overlooked. Mm-hmm. So he knew that when he went into meetings, he became anxious and his breath mm-hmm. would go up and his shoulders would go up. And now he would stand in the hallway or on his way up there, he would do a practice of centering. I would show him a very, very mm-hmm. um, simple kind of turning movement that we do in Aikido. It's like being able to move from center. And he would do that. And um, it began to shift shift him so when he did have those meetings, he would show up differently. Mm-hmm. But more importantly, Anne, he began to take on daily practices that he did. And these daily practices made him a different observer. Mm-hmm. That different observer became a different embodied self. So, for example, um, I taught him how to do a very simple meditation, which really is called mindfulness now. And um, that... Uh, made him be a much more acute perceiver of himself and, and his environment. We gave, as you know, we gave him a, a staff, uh, which is we in Japanese is called a joe, and I showed him these, this kata, this form, and he could do these 31 moves. And every day he would meditate. He would then take a short walk where he walked from center, and then he would do these 31 moves as a way to build centering and action. So, so um, I've got it. I want to circle back. You said a meditation called mindfulness. Now, if I'm a listener, I might be going, "Oh, what is that? And how do I find out about that? And can I?" Yes. Well, um, when I first started doing this work, like I, I've told you, I've been in the meditation mm-hmm. practice since the late '60s, and um, just felt absolutely necessary for for human beings and necessary for leaders, certainly. And I would use the meditation word, and it brought up huge amount of um, flags for people. It was a woo-woo. It was too woo-woo-y then, right? It, it was a woo-woo-y, or is this going to affect my religion, <laughs> or what do you mean I'm going to close my eyes and sit quietly with people, and I what go, is that um, about? Right, yeah. yeah we, we had a lot of... I mean, it was one thing to go in leadership training. We're actually going to stand up and move, mm-hmm. but then we're going to do this. Seem like whoops, and so um, we would call it attention training. Ah, which really what it, what it does is it, it's one of the main benefits of it. It trains your attention, mm-hmm. and um, among many many other things. Now, um, so uh, what I'm saying here is now that mindfulness, which really comes out of the same kind of meditation it technique. Does. It's on the cover of Time magazine. Mm-hmm. The recent New Yorker has a big article about it. Um, it's been on the cover of Scientific American. So um, I'm, 
I'm out of the meditation closet, I can say. No, we're <laughs> meditating. <laughs> <laughs> and it's embraced now, right? It's, embra- it's, em- it's embraced. It's, yeah. it's uh, much more acceptable. Yeah. Absolutely. So we really um, did a deep dive around this IT manager. Is there anything else you want to make sure you say about this one, or do you want to talk about another uh, client case, or should we just change directions a little bit and then go another direction? I had a client, um, uh, this woman who worked in healthcare, national healthcare. She was maybe two, three years from um, uh, retiring. She was a senior vice president. She really wanted to make her legacy to make mm. healthcare more accessible to more people. And um, what she found was that every time that she would go to her boss um, and speak about her idea and this, if he gave any kind of pushback, uh, she she would wilt oh. and couldn't stand and... and couldn't stand and her ground, perhaps? Stand her ground, take a fight for what she cared about, okay. what mattered. And of course, you know, it had a huge background. There were gender issues inside of that for her, for sure. Um, the whole social context was at play while that was uh, occurring. Um, but nonetheless, is that uh, she found she couldn't do this over and over again. As we as we delved into her history, we saw the reasons for that, and especially want to go into that now. But one of the things that we did is that he got his um, uh, we, we, uh, his card, and she liked the man, and she was very accountable for what she could do or not do in terms of pushing her agenda forward, but she would go out in her backyard and she took his card and she would pin it on a tree and I would show her how to make a certain kind of very positive centered move. Um, And she did it both with the Joe and without the Joe Mm. towards that card. So we set up a practice where she would remember, I'm going to now pitch my idea I'm going to say the strategy of it, the importance of it. And then she got in front of him, and she'd get in front of that card. Imagine that's who she was talking to. And then she would do this movement, which I said, which was a centered movement. It was an open movement, but it was a strong movement. And um, uh, over and over and over again, she did it every morning. She did it every morning as part of her daily practices, probably about 20 times. And then at some point, this was not overnight, but at some point she reported that she was going to go and have this next conversation. She remembered the practices that she, mm-hmm. she had been doing around this, the way that she was confronting him vis-a-vis his card, his business card. And like I, I want to be really clear, it wasn't like the, the motions or the, the moves were aggressive right. or they were violent, but they were very, very centered, and they were centered in a way that um, wanted to have him go, I want you to listen to me here, and I want to see this through, and I'm not necessarily just going to fold right away. Yeah, that's and important. Then and then she was able to enact that with him, um, start to move her agenda forward, and had her, uh, her whole notion of legacy begin to come to fruition. So I, I, I want to say that from the point of view of there's a lot of different things that have people change and transform. Yes. But that was an essential piece for her, that she yeah. actually, as we would say, built the body 
yeah. in order to take a different kind of move in her life. And I want to, I'm going to hit the pause button on you again. We're getting a cue for another break. So let's pick up with this notion of building the body. And we'll be back after a short break. This is Leanne worcester Navy, and I'm talking with Richard Strozzi Heckler. It's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Founded in 2012, the Institute for Transformational Leadership, ITL, is an international center for inquiry experiential education, and research about leadership in the 21st century. Our mission is to develop worldwide communities of transformational leaders and leadership coaches who are dedicated to engaging and providing the leadership needed for a more sustainable and compassionate future. We currently offer two cohort-based certificate programs, the ICF Accredited Certificate in Leadership Coaching and the Executive Certificate in Transformational Leadership. We also offer a range of ICF-certified Advanced Coach Education Master Courses for experienced leadership coaches. For more information about our programs and how to apply, visit scs.georgetown.edu forward slash ITL. Email itlprograms at georgetown.edu or call 202-687-7000. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. listening to Inside Transformational Leadership, produced by Georgetown University's Institute for Transformational Leadership. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please send an email to itlprograms at georgetown.edu. Here again is your host, Kate Ebner. Thank you once again for being with us today. I'm Leanne worcester Nathy, and I've been talking with Richard Strozzi Heckler. And we've been talking about embodied leadership and leadership presence and transformational change, and we are just zipping through our time together, Richard. Um, and right before the break, we were, you were talking about a, a senior VP in the healthcare field who you were helping her build the body um, of, of her legacy and taking a stand um, in a respectful way for herself and with her boss. So I want to make sure you get a chance to give your other thoughts on that. 
Yeah, thank you. You know, so in, in this discourse of somatics, we will often say you're building the body of, and that might, might sound kind of weird to many people, like what does that mean? But it's really based in this notion that the body, the soma, and the self are inextricably linked together. That um, uh, th- th- this, this idea that we are, there's nothing um, separate from our soul. Our bodies aren't, our actions aren't, our moods aren't. And one of the ways that we can cultivate and um, build the self is by working through the body. So what, what happened for her was that she didn't have this capacity or the skill to take a stand for what she, was, what she cared about. She couldn't take the stand in a way that um, moved people and really didn't move her boss. Mm-hmm. And that would be all the way from her, her main predisposition when she would just wilt or fold. Um, but sometimes they'd get built up, and then she would get almost hysterical. Mm. Um, and, and neither one of them um, built kind of legitimacy in her, where somebody would go, hang on, let's go back there, and let's walk, walk me through it again. So through these set of practices that I described earlier, she began to have that capacity to do that. And um, then she, as she went forward, she got the attention of her boss, her CEO, he began to listen. He brought in other members of the team to listen to her. And then they began to Im- implement many of the ideas that she thought that would be important for uh, this next level of health care that they could offer in this country. That's phenomenal. That's a, that's a great story. And I've got actually two follow-ups on this. I'm, I've made myself a note so I don't lose these two threads. The first piece is that often as a coach, we are asked to work with the conversational side of these things, right? I -hmm. need to have this conversation with my boss or I want to, or it's an ongoing conversation and I can't find my feet. I lose my way. I lose my stand. And so we'll talk about, so what is it that you want to say, right? And how is it that you want to be feeling? And what's the request or offer that you want to make? And is there an agreement that's important for you to walk away with, right? all in the language domain, somewhat in the mood and emotional domain, but what you're adding and what I want to make listeners aware of is this whole piece with the body, right? Their energy, her energy, and how she was standing physically and moving and breathing and talking. It all travels together as a pack, and we tend not to think about that last piece. Or if we do... We don't know what the heck to do with it, right? So um, uh, many of us are using our bodies to transport our heads. So when you start to say, gosh, I've got to, it's more than this. I need to build a body to take a stand uh, for dignity and respect for myself and with him. That can be a real tough concept for people to get. I think that this idea is, uh, it is a tough concept and at least in certain pockets of the world, I think it's starting to become, have more traction. And I think it's beginning to have more traction because people simply have begun to see that the other ways of working by staying mm-hmm. only in conversations. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, I, I, I'm not speaking against that because language, we are language as we are bodies. And yes. it's important to have that. Um, but it often doesn't allow people to take a move, a new move or a new mm-hmm. action 
you know, and there's that great um, study done by a man named Albert Mehrabian, professor mm-hmm. emeritus at UCLA, and back in the 70s, he, he posed the question, what makes people credible? How do, we, how, do we, how do we grant them some authority about their credibility and their truth-making that we want to follow them or move forward? Now, clearly, if we keep our promises, we build trust. But he was looking for something more. So this was a longitudinal study done over decades in various demographics and cultures, And the results always came out to the the same, which are pretty startling, which is when people are speaking, others will listen 7% content, 7% content, like what's being said, Mm -hmm. and 93% their comportment, how they deport themselves, the sound of their voice, the rhythm of their voice, in other words, their entire presence. Mm -hmm. And... um, so what we see is important is that how do you build this presence, which we say is tightly woven into our tissues, our cellular system, um, our muscular system, and our organ system, and it becomes a quality of being, which we call, oh, this is this person. And, um, you know, we're looking to build a, a body, as we say in our language, that somebody can be... Um, outwardly um, uh, ready for action while they're relaxed and inwardly peaceful and comfortable in their own skin. The other piece that I want to say about this is that you cultivated um, her ability to take a stand with dignity and respect for herself and dignity and respect with and for her boss. Right? Not at the expense of, but a joining up of. And I've got to say that sounds really important for the world we are in today with leaders and the complexity and the issues and all the pressures and the um, discourse, which is often quite, what do we want to say here, um, uh, concrete, you're either this or that, it's one way or the other, um, a win-lose. So you want to say a little bit more about what makes this work that you're talking about um, so important in the context of where we are with leadership and what's being called of us as leaders today. Uh, yes, yes. A long-winded way of saying that. I had to land. <laughs> <laughs> um. What I've seen over and over again is that when somebody comes in contact with, their, with the life of their body, in other words, we start with the, the sensations, which is the building block of life, and then we, we expand from there, is that when people begin to live in their own skin, is that what it does is it starts to cultivate very naturally a certain sense of compassion, And I want to say compassion is like the notion that we will legitimatize or authenticate another person's experience. In other words, people will will have this experience of going, oh, uh, of acknowledgement. Mm -hmm. And we know that, and again, we know this through the technology of the neuroscience, is that that's hardwired in us. That's factory loaded. People want to be acknowledged. People want to be seen as having dignity and value. 
And when we do that with somebody, that allows a deeper sense of understanding to happen and a deeper uh, um, embodiment of another person's point of view that allows the coordination between people, between the, the conflict that happens to them to begin to diminish. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's one of the things that begins to happen as we begin to embody our own experience, live in our own skin, listen to the impulses that come from the body, which are three billion years old, and they're geared towards how do we become more skillful in our actions so we can um, survive, regenerate, live a fulfilled life. How do we draw on this wisdom of life, this wisdom of life, which is life moving towards life, and how do we... um, then begin to uh, uh, feel in ourselves to go, how do, we, how do we authenticate others? How do we understand at some point now that they are, um, uh, they're, they're like me? They're, they're actually at a fundamental level like me. There's certain elements of social context we always have to pay attention to. However, that um, once I begin to feel into another person, and I don't mean feel like I'm going to have a feeling. I mean that I'm in contact with that life energy that's moving through me. And that's really fundamentally uh, this work where uh, it, that, that, that is terribly missing in the training of leaders. Mm-hmm. The training is let's get smarter, let's get more cognitive, let's gather more information. Good, we can have all those things. But what's been pruned out of us is a sense of how do I feel others yeah. How do I feel life? And when we can say that understanding, I think, will have a lot to do with how we then begin to resolve conflict in a more effective way. Yeah, yeah. What you're saying here is just so important. And so I'm thinking we're, we're getting close to the end of our time together. So what would you say to a listener who really wants to um, do a little bit of this work for themselves, enhance their their presence? Uh, their connection to self, because that's where it starts first and foremost, right? Um, yet they don't have access to a coach. They don't have the time, maybe the energy or money to sign up for a class. Like where and how do they begin? Do you have a couple of... Well, um, yeah, this is what I would say. I would say that it um, starts at what you suggested, is that we begin to our, turn our attention towards um, this inner landscape. And fundamentally, there won't be a difference between the inner landscape and, mm-hmm. and the world. But just as a conceit of language, let's separate them for a moment and say, let's bring our attention to our inner landscape. And what that does is bring us much more into contact with this livingness that we are. And what it's, is the inner landscape? The inner is, landscape yeah. is... Um, what is it that you're feeling? Okay. And it's really simple, like, uh, is it temperature? What is the temperature? What's the movement? What's the shape? Am I holding and tightening? And Pulsations? I'm, or am I opening? Pulsations? Pulsations, pooling, streamings. Okay. And what are those things beginning to tell us? So that I begin to notice that I not only have a brain between my eyes, I have a brain in my heart and I have a brain in my gut. There you well. go. So that that is a, a terrific 
starting place for our listeners. Richard, we could talk for another three hours. It's been, <laughs> there's so much here, and it has been a real honor and pleasure to, to um, have you on the program today. I think we're going to have to have you back for part two if you're game. It's always great to have these conversations with you, Leanne. Thank you. For our listeners who would like to follow your work, where could they find out more information about you, Strozzi? What do you Where would you point them? Yes, let me point you to our our online presence, strozziinstitute.com. That's one word, S-T-R-O-Z-Z-I, and then institute right after that, dot com. Um, we, uh, our primary... Uh, headquarters is in Oakland, California, 510-444-1232. And all that will give you information about if you want to take this next step into this level of leadership and self-cultivation. I also encourage listeners to get a copy of your most recent book if you're a coach, The Art of Somatic Coaching. Great book. I use it. Dog-eared. And for leaders, I would say maybe start with the Leadership Dojo. What do you think, Richard? You've got uh, like six other books to choose from. But if a leader's listening today, what would you suggest they start with? I agree with you. I think that the Leadership Dojo book really lays out in a very strong format about the approach and not only what are the results, but actually how it's done, too. Yes, practical um, tips and exercises. Not tips, but exercises and ways of coming into contact with the life energy in each of us, right? Right. And as you said, the art of somatic coaching, I agree with that also. Okay. All right. You've been listening to Inside Transformational Leadership, sponsored by Georgetown University's Institute for Transformational Leadership. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great week. Thank you for joining us this week on Inside Transformational Leadership. Please tune in for another edition with your host, Kate Ebner, next Monday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our programs, please visit scs.georgetown.edu forward slash ITL. We'll talk again next week.